You're listening to The Dumb Will Speak, a podcast in which we seek to honor the truth of God as revealed in His Word. Wow, I cut that abruptly, didn't I? <laughs> I, I and I'm Roy. And I'm Jalen. Welcome, uh, everyone, to The, to the Dumb oh, Will Speak. Oh, I didn't know I, what just happened. Instead of hitting What's the, Todd Friel say? Uh, uh, professionalism right out the window. No, what's it say? The most... Uh, Professional radio on show your station on your radio at, this time. at this time. Yeah, wow, that was an abrupt cut. Uh, I've lost the ability we to know what we're doing. The, uh, thing. So, almost a year later, we're back with eschatology part three. <laughs> Today is a little more of a roundtable discussion. We're going to have uh, varying thoughts. Um, we're joined today by. <laughs> I guess I should do that, right? We're joined today by once again Jonathan. Say hi, Jonathan. Hello. Also, we are joined today by. Brother, yeah, I can't. By Lieutenant Dan, I mean Pastor Dan. Hello. <laughs> and then once again, Chalen is here, and I'm here, and we're going to move forward. Now, I have no idea how we're going to kick this off. I guess what we'll just what we'll just start with is the very word eschatology from the eschaton, right? That is the the end things. The study of end times is is where the ology comes in because the study of. So we've 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 done a lot of things on eschatology in the past i think everyone knows where i stand i'm the only one in the room probably that has this view i'm a historical premillennialist and for those who don't know what that means it means i don't fall into the uh, fundamentalist uh, uh, eschatology of uh, dispensationalism and all that i am not necessarily pre-trib rapture the term harpazo is there uh, i have taught it that way i have I used to believe it. Do you still believe in the rapture? I believe in a rapture. I don't, because there is the snatching away. I don't know what it is, when it occurs. So you, you have moved, okay, so, okay, that's a good point to start. So you have come from really pre-trib rapture. Absolutely. And then you've since moved past a pre-trib rapture to... To more of a... Is there a rapture? Is there... To more of a... I kind of think there's a rapture. I just don't know the timing. Yeah. Okay. No, yeah. no, no. That, that, that's fair enough. I, I, believe, I just I believe, wanted to clarify. I, I believe in a... a, a obviously, there, there are... Right. Obviously, those that are alive and remain will not hinder those that have, that have already deceased us and preceded us in death. They will be risen first, and then we who are alive and remain will be called up to meet them in, in the air with the Lord, and so shall we forever be with him. But... When does that occur? Does that occur before, during, or after a certain time that is sometimes called the Great Tribulation? Well, and clarify where we're at, too. If you look at just uh, geographically where we are, it's a uh, dispensational, premillennialist. Pre-trib I mean, rapture. Pre-trib rapture. I would say probably all all four of us probably, did we all grow up in that and all go to churches that do that, that preach that? Okay, I didn't grow up. Well, no, you didn't, but but, but the, first, even the church, first church you were involved in, it, didn't it was have very that. heavy, and, yeah. and they really probably couldn't have defined that term sure. that we just said. Um, it was just kind of what they were always taught to believe, um, so that's what they went with. I mean, there was no uh, real self examination. That's me. So without thinking about it, and, and I heard all the proof texts and read all the books, and when I say I read all the books, I mean I've got some books. Well, and on this stuff. <laughs> Or, and my dad had them as well, so I read his growing up. And the verse they always go to is like First Thessalonians 4. Which is what I was just... Around about 13, I was somewhere parap- thereabouts. I was just paraphrasing that. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you talk about the Harpazo. Yeah, so, so that is kind of... All right, so my view is this. I grew up in a fundamentalist household, 
it was Independent Fundamental Baptist, okay, IFB, and um, basically everything was King James only. That's the only version of the Bible you should use. Every other version was a corruption, a perversion. And the eschatology was set in stone. We're premillennialists. There's a literal 1,000-year reign of Christ on the earth, a return to a Jewish kingdom. He's the Jewish Messiah, therefore he must fulfill all prophecies made to Abraham, to Moses, and to David, etc., etc. So they would use a lot of texts from uh, Isaiah, some texts from a lot of texts from Ezekiel to discuss how the kingdom would be, including that there would be another millennial uh, temple and all that, and you would meet on uh, new moons and and Sabbaths. I don't understand why they think that, but well, aren't a lot of them even talking about? There's they're preparing the temple plans now. That's correct, a big, correct. That's a big thing for everybody. It has a lot to do with. I'm just going to be honest with you though. That mindset leads to a lot of. Conspiriology, if that's a word, it's very conspiratorial. Okay, is is a better way of wording it. It's a, it's a, it's very steeped in sort of a mystical uh, view of the Bible. It's very mystical in its sense of you can almost watch as history unfolds. You're seeing prophecy be fulfilled. Look, I used to sing a song. Um, I think it was a Gold City song, actually, Southern Gospel uh, group. Um, I see the signs of prophecies fulfilling. Um, Anyway, I forget the name of the song off the top of my head. That just that line just came to me. But anyway, uh, it's very steeped in this, this idea that you can, and I don't like that. I never liked that. That part used to disturb me. That's why, literally, in 1988, I was riding in a Dodge van driving down the road when a guy was talking about a book that had come out called, Yes, and you know what I'm going for, 88 Reasons Christ Will Return in 1988. And That's I said, still a book we need to get to and, discuss on the show. I, it still is. And I looked at it. I looked at my dad, who was driving, and I said, what? And he says, no, that's hogwash. Now, my dad was IFB, but he's like, that's hogwash. He said, date setters should be trumped out of the church. He said, they have no place. He said, no man knows the day or the hour. Not even the son, just the father. So his view was still very strict on that. He didn't believe in anybody setting dates or times and all that stuff. And those kind of books were stupid. So I I, I will say he was an honest person about that thing. Um and so I had a large skepticism towards that sort of thing, even as a, I was probably 15, 16 years old. Um, uh, so I've always had a skepticism towards dispensationalism. For one thing, dispensationalism further really messes up soteriology if you get right down to it. They sort of have this view that there have been different dispensations throughout time. Therefore, God dealt with people differently during those times. Now, I believe in progressive revelation and progressive series of, of things that lead to the plan of redemption. Don't get me wrong, but I think it was always prepared the same way. If, if Jesus was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world, then we have to believe that God always had a plan. There is no backup plan. The Jews could never have fulfilled. Israel could never fulfill God's plan. They were never going to do it. He knew in advance through time what they were and were not going to do. And nothing catches God off, off guard. If you don't believe that, then you don't really believe in the omniscience, omnipotence, and omnipresence of God. And so dispensationalism began to be something that I just was like moving further and further away from. They're also very much a, a new earth theorist. The world has to be anywhere from six to 8,000 years old, period. If it's any older than that, you're, you're a liberal. You're an evolutionist. And it's lots of things like that. And uh, while I'm a younger earth person, 
I don't believe it's been around billions of years. Okay, I just don't. Uh, and I believe in a literal flood, Noahic flood. I believe the Bible is 100% accurate in what it's what it says. And when we can't when we can't find science to prove it, I don't worry about it because I'm not going to go down that. Some things you must take by faith, but faith doesn't have to be blind or foolish or without reasoning and logic. I believe our faith is logical. That does not mean that I'm a William Lane Craig apologist, you know, uh, biblical philosophy, that I'm into all that, because that diminishes scripture and elevates man. So that's different. That's your anthropology, not eschatology. But on eschatology, I'm still a premillennialist. I still believe there's things to come. But still more historical. But more in a historical premillennial that can go all, that can be traced all the way back to first and second century AD. And in the views, actually it was the view of the second temple Judaism of the time, that there would be a literal restoration of the kingdom. And that kingdom would be, permanent now here's the thing that's where you get down to what is a millennium is yeah. it a literal thousand years now jonathan when you were on before you talked about that you don't believe it's a literal thousand years right. and i don't necessarily think it has to be a thousand years either a historical doesn't right historical premillennialist just says there is a period of time in which god is going to reign on the earth literally reign and subjugate the nations after he's judged them. and that they'll be judged some will be wiped away but but i guess a premillennialist does believe that there will be a second loosing of Satan and a second temptation of mankind. They will once again prove that man is man and they're fallen in their nature and they will fall away. God will then end it. How, how long that is, I don't know. Do I think it's literally got to be 1,000 years to the day? No. Coming out of the apostolic age, there was a lot of historical premillennialists in the early church. I mean, you Papias and some of those. Sure. And there was the argument that went back and forth on it. Sure. But they're... But there was a large sect of people that were historical premillennials. Which is why it's secondary to me and not a primary doctrine. It's never going to be a now, primary. Now, here's, the thing, here's the thing about this. Um, I don't separate from people because no. they don't agree with me. Nor because I don't always agree with myself. Because <laughs> here's what I want to say. James White, Dr. James White said something, in not this past week that we're, that we're on now, but the week before. He, in one of those episodes, you know, he had those two really long episodes. Mm-hmm. In one of those episodes, he talked about briefly, he said he was re- responding to someone who called him a, a, a preterist and different things like that. And he says, we're all preterists to some degree. We're all partial preterists. He said, now, people want to use that term, partial preterism, full preterist, to describe all millennialists or some post-millennialists. But he said, actually, everyone's got partial preterism. There's some things we believe are already fulfilled, correct? He said... The messianic prophecies of Christ's birth are, he didn't say all this, but I'm, I'm extrapolating on what he said, but I'm, I'm, this is now Roy. But if those things are fulfilled, then they're now past. That's preterist. We are now after that fact. Tom Buck, those guys there, I don't know if you saw the interview with Tom Buck have with James White. I did. I actually watched the he, video. So Tom Buck is. Has Tom looked so good on camera like me. Tom Buck is pre-millennial. I'm, I'm, I'm thinking. I'm he thinking is. If Tom, if I said that wrong, I'm sorry. I think he is. Pre-millennial. And I'm pretty sure Gabe Hughes, who is on staff there as well, is all-millennialist. Well, well Chalen, couldn't you ask him? I'll, I could. All-millennialist. And then, um, you, then they were going to bring in James White to teach post-millennial. That was kind of the look at eschatology. They were wanting the church to see all aspects of the, yeah. the you know the scenarios so so that's that's kind of my view in a nutshell is that uh, i don't take it as a primary doctrine i don't think people should excommunicate each other over it nor do i think i know everything about it i've studied a lot of it 
from multiple way, multiple multiple sides. Um, uh, I have books on my shelf behind me that some of those people are absolutely all millennial. Some of those guys are absolutely fundamentalist. Some of those guys are historical premillennials, like Mounts. And quite frankly, that's really my favorite Revelation commentary right now is is the NICNT, New International Commentary. I've got both editions, don't I? I've got the old one from the 70s, and I've got the old cover, too. Uh, Chalen found it for me on eBay. Um, he made me pay him back, but anyway, it's neither here nor there. Could have gifted it. <laughs> I'm joking. Well, I'm joking. No, we had one. No, we had a good deal on it, though, man. I got multiple different NICNTs that day, including FF Bruce on Hebrews, but I'm, I'm, I'm digressing. So we got, um, we got, we got that view, and that's the more I read of that view, the more I'm convinced of that view. So that's just where I'm at now. And then Jonathan, Jonathan you land in the post-millennial Get camp. the microphone there, sir. All right. So, yeah, this is kind of a coming back episode for me, I guess, mm-hmm. with with this. So um, I wasn't saved until I was in my 20s. I was biblically ignorant. I mean, I didn't know a thing about the Bible. Um, when I was saved... Uh, a lot like Pastor Dan, I got a little Gideon New Testament and started carrying it with me to work. And on my lunch break, I started reading it. And then I read the entire New Testament, Psalms and Proverbs. Editor's note, he's referencing a, another episode. Yeah. Um, and so I did that. I threw that in because we're both comic geeks and there used to be those little things. Yeah. So I did that um, in my in my early 20s. I had no idea honestly about eschatology at all if you'd even said the word i'd had no idea what that even meant only thing i'd ever heard my whole life was the the dispensational premillennial viewpoint taught on my own in my ignorance i started reading the gospels and when i got to the olivet discourse as i read it having no knowledge whatsoever right i thought this just does not sound like to me just me reading it on my own this does not sound like the way I've heard this taught. This is this is several years ago now. This is back in particularly Matthew twenty four and twenty five. Ma- Mark thirteen was well, actually 13. where I, the one I was going where, okay. where I was at, and and I, as I read it, I thought this this does not sound like what I've been taught. Right. This is probably back in two thousand and three, maybe something like that. So <clears throat> that's probably when I stopped the whole dispensational premillennial. At that point, I'd say to that point, that's what I was because I all knew I didn't know anything else. So I, I, I began leaning more towards the historic premillennial view as I as I read. I probably adopted all the views at some point in time as I as I've wrestled with this. I'm like you. It's not a, any kind of a primary doctrine or, or, or anything, but it's it's something that's fun to talk about. And the and, reason I put it is at secondary is because. And I know you've said this too. Uh, what your view of eschatology can impact is your hermeneutic of Scripture. And in that respect, what I mean is, but most doctrines can do that. Mm-hmm. Particularly, Any doctrine per, can. Yeah, pretty, yeah. I'm Particularly yeah. the two I think that people allow to, to, to cloud their view the most is probably soteriology, the fundamentals of salvation. And eschatology, the fundamentals of end time prophecy. For some groups, those two things seem to be the one that they can 
they cannot see anything but whatever their whatever their preconception is right um they bring in that that view and then they it colors the way they view scripture from that point forward for instance if you were to take a roman catholic studying in a in a roman catholic uh, seminary it's going to be an amillennial view it's just going to be accepted it's going to be given that it's amillennial all right um and but the soteriology is going to be a mixture of faith and works these means of grace but the graces that are given by God, some of them have to be earned as well on the on our. So there's this compat compatibility compatibilism. Is that what I'm? Am I saying this word or did I just just invent a word? But where you're, it's 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 a compatibility between man and God, the deity, and so there's a synergy there. It's synergistic. They have to work together towards your salvation. Whereas the reformed view of that would be absolutely not. God did all the work. It was completed in Christ with his death, burial, and resurrection. And we do nothing to earn salvation. It's a gift, lest any man should boast, according to Paul. So that's one that will color your, your view. And that, that's what I was saying. But that's why, that's why to me, though, eschatology is secondary. Soteriology is primary. Absolutely primary. Nothing's more important than knowing that you're saved and how you are saved and understanding that. Can there be nuances there where people can disagree? Sure. You have your Arminian and your Calvinist and view. I'm just going to use those two views, all right? Between those two views, uh, who's right? Take your pick, but because you, somebody's in probably in one of those two camps, probably. But but my thing is this, and I'm speaking only as someone who is non-Catholic. For Catholics, it's, it is that synergistic view. It's it's salvation through the church, through baptism, through graces, means of grace obtained through the sacraments, through works, etc., I don't hold with that at all, and so I consider that that is a dividing line. That is a demarcation point in which I go, no, I think you're wrong. But if you tell me, well, I'm a millennial, I'm going to say, yeah, well, I'm historically premillennial at least right now. <laughs> you know, that's why I say it's secondary. Right, and 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 what we're talking about is is futuristic. You know, no matter which view you hold, there is a a future of when Christ will return, right? And so, uh, no matter no matter which view you hold to we're talking about a future return of jesus and so uh at, at in the end god's gonna do it his way anyway right no matter how we how much we think we've dissected it he's gonna do it his way anyway sure and if god is sovereign and in control he makes the point he makes the point right. in time that it's going to happen not us so and that's the reason you don't in my opinion you don't you don't um you don't get mad you don't you don't break fellowship with people over something like this I do think that churches should teach um, all the viewpoints, um, and most of them don't. Most of them don't. Uh, and I, when I I pastored a small Baptist church, and I did, I taught all the viewpoints, and we we went through all of them. You actually broke them down. Tell yes, them what they were with okay. with my church. I did. I mean, it was a Wednesday night sermon series. Can for, I ask how that went over? Um, good. Surprise. Most of them were surprised because they had never heard anything else. Okay. Um, and so most were surprised, but they didn't get mad at you. No, no, we had, we had some discussion. Um, and there were some things they didn't agree with that. I said, sure. At that time I was probably more in the, in the historic premillennial, uh, mindset and viewpoint, uh, when I taught that. And as, and, and, and as I've continued to read, listen, watch, study, learn, well, I remember we were having that conversation once several mm -hmm. years ago. I was out by the pool. We were on the phone. And you said, well, you know, 
you're like, I don't believe in the rapture the way you believe in the rapture. Mm-hmm. You said, but Roy, the way I view the rapture is that that term for the snatching away, that's when we have the resurrection of the saints and we go and meet Christ in the air. This but is the, at his second coming. Yeah, at his yes. second coming, period. Right. And I'm like, okay. And and that's not anything that I can disagree with. It, it is very possible that that yeah. could be. I do not believe in a in a secret rapture right. and then a, a a a secret second coming of Jesus in the air and then a third coming of Jesus later on on the ground. I I believe that the rapture is at the second coming. We we meet him in the air and like an entourage, we we accompanying him just like an accompanying king coming back from war. Uh, into the city, the people would go out to meet him. That's what I believe the rapture is going to be. So is that you've moved then towards, is it amillennial or post-millennial? Well, post-millennial, pretty much? I, the way I would view it, because I sort of I sort of was looking at amillennial and post-millennial, and I thought, man, I, I kind of agree with both these, and they're, and they're both very similar. They're almost the same case. Yeah. There's just some slight differences. They're very similar, and I think the way Doug Wilson and, and Jeff Durbin put it, which I, I really found that I, I ended up agreeing with them, and I think James White's, at that place he is, now, he is, he is at that point. and they call it contemporary postmillennialism. Absolutely, Doug Wilson makes you aware that he is not a kingdom yeah. now theology kind of guy. Uh, and so that, well, so looking at it like the the your your partial preterist, and in, in other words, most of most of the um, prophecies in Scripture have already been fulfilled, and we're looking for the return of Jesus. Um, the, for instance, the great tribulation that so many people are afraid of, I believe absolutely happened in 70 AD to Jerusalem. I believe everything about the great tribulation was focused on Jerusalem. So the Olivet Discourse then yes, was focused is actually on, a yes. preterist event because it was mm-hmm. specifically the prophecy for the generation. Right. When he says this generation shall not pass, he really meant that, that generation. Okay. He, he was not talking to them. In my, As I look at that, and, the, and you take the hermeneutics of it, mm-hmm. he was not looking at them and talking about a generation two, three thousand years in the future, he was looking at them, saying, "You will not pass uh, away until this happens," and it happened in their lifetime. And so, in seventy A.D., seventy A.D., God brought about a tribulation like the world had never seen upon His own people for killing His Son. I want to say this: if you have if you have struggled with how to view the Olivet Discourse, I have a book that's specifically on Mark 13. It's a commentary, and it's just on that one chapter. It's called Jesus, the Temple, and the Coming Son of Man by Robert Stein. Now, Stein did the book of Luke for the New American Commentary. He also the did, uh, I think, Mark and the he, Baker. He does Mark and Baker exegetical. He does uh, NAC, which is Robin and Holman. Mm-hmm. We're, we're all Baptists here, so let's just say it. Uh, it's, he does the NAC, Luke. He teaches at Southern Seminary, and he is a preterist. And he'll tell you, here's the thing. I'm not saying that they're not aspects of prophecy that haven't been fulfilled, but I do believe the Olivet Discourse was fulfilled, and he explains why Yeah, throughout this book. So I, and I believe, and if you look at it, I mean, you know, Jesus even taught about, uh, he gave one of his parables talking about um, the people that, that would, this, God would send the servants, right? Yes. And, and they would, they would kill them he said well surely i'll send the son and they won't harm my son and he sends the son and they and then they killed his son he was given a prophecy of his coming death right. but at the same time let's look at how serious he was in that and we see god was so serious when they killed his son that he brought about a tribulation like jerusalem had never seen before that was a great tribulation 
Um, and so when I read that and I came to that understanding, it just, you know, it sort of just blew my mind, um, at that. And so then I came to the place that I I believe that the rapture and the second coming is a simultaneous event. I don't believe that there's a second coming and then a third coming. I think it is a simultaneous event. Um, and I believe that the church age and the kingdom age is one is, is one the same. I believe the kingdom age and the church age is the same. It was future for John. It's current for us, and that Jesus is currently ruling that now, seated on the at the right hand of God on the throne of David. In First Corinthians fifteen, he talks about that, and uh, that he is currently ruling. So I think the only thing left to happen is Jesus to come back, and that's it. I think the only thing left to happen is for Jesus to come back. And I've been at that view now for several years, um, and and in reading and watching and studying and learning on my own, I, I you know I feel like the more I I listen to that and read scripture to me that seems like the 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 best possible view to look at um and i know other people have different views on that and that's that's totally fine i just as i read scripture and as i'm studying that's what i'm seeing okay uh and so i'm contemporary post-millennial i guess is, is the way i would i would put that okay all right dan let's see where what's where are you at on eschatology now <laughs> I, I, I'm, a, I'm a mental midget among giants right now. that's what i'm figuring right now it's just humble humility that's what i uh you know what we should always approach everything oh, we, like like you said like oh jonathan definitely it's god's the one in control so we don't we don't get to decide <laughs> you uh yeah you all are articulate in that explanation and i <clears throat> I uh, was telling Chalen just recently, uh, I said, well, I embarked on a, I, I, I do my own note system where I want to, you know, I want to own my theology. I want to dig in and go through the fight biblically and, and come out with what, don't want to take someone's word for it of what I grew up hearing. Dan, I think what we're seeing so far between <laughs> the first two that's talked, myself yeah. and Jonathan, is that that's basically what happened. Yes. We had yes. to decide for ourselves all right, I know what the preacher says, and I know what this book says, but what does the Bible say? And right. How can I? You know? Oh, I respect, yeah. So I, I just so respect uh, what you guys have contributed already. And and I and I, I agree with you. I, I told Chalen, I said, it's like anything else I've learned in life. The more you dig in and the more you learn, the more questions you have and the less you know. So I uh, grew up, you know, hearing the typical left behind scenario. Of, Absolutely. Uh, you know, dispensational premillennial. Yeah. I have the book, by the way. Yeah, which is which is which was pop, you know that was packaged by John Darby back in 1830, and uh, yeah, and then popularized by Schofield. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And before Arno Gablin was another yeah, one, yeah. Uh, before about 150 or so years ago, that was not at all on a lot of radar screens. Uh, and of course, there's different eschatological packages and then millennial views. You know that is true. I'm glad you brought that up. It is true that. While, as Chalen said, mm-hmm. historical premillennial views, the idea that, well, this was literally, they're taking it word for word, this was literally about a thousand-year kingdom coming, Jesus is going to come back and reign on the earth for a thousand years. While that view has existed since the early church, the view you just talked about that we all grew up in, mm-hmm. um, well, Jonathan and Chalen came to Christ later in life than you and I, but you and I kind of grew up in, mm-hmm. is actually a new, mm-hmm. a young theory. It's mm-hmm. the newest theory. It's the most popular in the United States, mm-hmm. but it's the newest theory. Oh, yeah. Yeah, those are the books. Mm-hmm. That, well, okay, you're right. 
because that is the, the Schofield mm-hmm. reference Bible. Yeah. The study Bible notes and stuff uh-huh. is what popularized Darby's teachings, and Schofield was highly influenced by that. That's right. And then yeah. some of the one of the guys that, that actually contributed some of the notes was not Schofield himself, but Arnold C. Gablin, A. C. Gablin, who was really mystical. And so, yeah, go ahead. So that's stuff. <laughs> well, anyway, so I I I just trying to 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 do that study. I the farther I got, I've, and I've been reading authors like Riddle, Riddlebarger and, and uh, All Millennialism and then Matheson, who was part of Sproul's uh, crew. Um, I've got Last Days According to Jesus with Sproul. is excellent. Yeah. And uh, so I've got uh, Postmillennialism by Matheson and uh, When Shall These Things Be? And I've got, got one of his books on dispensationalism in here. Huh. And uh, then Lorraine Boatner, um, his millennial book is really does a comparison of the millennium. But anyway, having said all that, yeah. So much learning has made me mad. Perhaps <laughs> <laughs> I've gone insane. <laughs> Can I get an amen from everybody? Yeah, buddy. So um, I, I'm wondering if I have anything. Taylor, coherent. you don't have that thing queued up, do you? You did that one time. That, oh, amen. Yeah, you want that? I'll, let me cue the sound effects. Hold on. Let me dig the computer back out. Uh, you told me not to bring my sound effects anymore after that episode. Whatever you do, do not bring your sound effects. Actually, I think we should come up with a little soundboard. And do I that. had one. It was yeah, just all IFB guys, but it, it was quite the soundboard. Go ahead. I, I am no scholar, so I, uh, I uh, have just tried to uh, to. To study and, and own a view, and what I've found is I just God is in control. He is sovereign, and I I can't really uh, I I would not try to nail anybody down on any certain package. There's there's things well, I, you know. Twi- full- Twyla Paris sang it, and I believe it. God <laughs> is in control. Yeah. <laughs> full uh, full preterism, hyper preterism. I think everybody. Anybody I know and conservative scholars reject uh, thinking that there's no future fulfillment at all. Um, I I find that hard to. Grasp. I think the same goes with hyper Calvinism and hyper dispensationalism yes, because yeah, yeah, hyper dispensationalism yeah. even takes certain things from the from the New Testament and says yeah. that was just for the Jews and this was just for the Gentiles and I'm like oh wait a minute mm-hmm. you lost us. The thing I've been struck by lately uh, and and as far as the millennial view, yeah, I really. Uh, yeah, they're, they're they're good points yeah. in each camp, and uh, but I'm like Jonathan. What he described, uh, kind of the more I've I've read and and just this water's gone under the bridge. I I I don't I have a lot of questions about the the package we grew up with dispensational premillennial. Me, uh, Me too. You know, it's like what's the point of of a sacrificial third temple when you're in the presence of the king? You know, what when when everything's fulfilled? Why in the world? And the idea that that's the one that gets me, and and, and, and then you and then they say, like well, sacrificing, yeah, <laughs> and then they say, you know, the the the, yeah. the, 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 the uh, I'm trying to think of exactly the term for it, but the, the 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 view that believes that well, it's all for Israel, it's for their restoration and all, and then you get in tons of scripture with that, but I uh, then I then I see, and I've been having debates with some some good Christian friends lately about, well, is the church Consider the new Israel or not, you know, and you can go into Galatians six sixteen and Ephesians three six, and right. Paul said several things that tend to lean that way, and and I go to Romans four, and I just thinking like how Paul went through the experience of Abraham, and over and over he says there's no Jew or Gentile, there's in the kingdom, there's 
So I, I don't see uh, currently uh, where I'm standing. I, I don't understand the idea of, of, of two separate bodies in the body. I, I think we're going to be one body in the Lord. Jesus said it in John 10. Yeah. John chapter, in John chapter 10, Jesus said the same thing, right? He said, there are other sheep that's not of this foe. We're going to bring them in that they will all be one. Yes. That they will all be one herd, yeah. right? One sheep herd. It's a good point. Ephesians 4. Hard to argue with. Ephesians, <laughs> yeah. Ephesians 4. Oh, just on and on week ago, right? Countless. Uh, so... Anyway, it's it's just a, it's an interesting conversation. I have a lot of de- there's so many details you could you talk about, but in general, I just have those big questions about right. And and for and so I love to hear how you brothers and and I say that biblically for for us to share in the view that I I tell folks all the time I I don't there's two hills to die on theologically in my mind. Um, and, and once again, lots of subsets to this and nuances. But who is Jesus of Nazareth? Absolutely. And how is it that man is reconciled to God? That's it. The way you answer those two questions tells me whether or not we're brothers in Christ. That's going to be your Christology and yeah. theology proper. And then it's going to be your soteriology. Yeah. Yes. How are we yes, saved? Yes. Now, once again, tons of subsets. Sure there that. is. How God applies, you know, all that. It is, I mean, it's by grace through faith and Christ alone. I would err, I would actually add yeah. inerrancy of Scripture for me. Yes. Because I also believe that's important. Yes, yes. yes How yeah. are you even going to have a biblical hermeneutic if you don't think the Bible's worth that's, it that's true, yeah. And I'm yeah. not saying necessarily you always had to take it literally, because that's where you get into... Right, because there's a thousand <laughs> years of that, right? right. Yeah. I'm yeah. talking about taking it seriously. Right, exactly. And that yes. It, that it is, that God had a point in yeah. inspiring these men to do this, yeah. to write these things down. It is for our edification. Yeah. It is for our instruction, and it is to grow us spiritually. And if we're not doing that, right. then something's wrong. Yes. And I would even say, if you are if you can read the Bible and, and not learn something new... Right check on it yeah yeah you know because <laughs> your eyes are supposed to be opened over time the spirit will, will help you you should be having more and more questions absolutely. coming to mind not more absolutes oh no more questions so it, i'm starting to love the fact that god obviously has a sense of humor yeah <laughs> and i tell people all the time if you don't like paradox and don't read the bible that's right, that's right. we're not pl- talking about contradictions but there are paradoxes there is a difference it pleased the father speech. it yeah. pleased the father to crush the, the son oh, yeah, isaiah yeah. 53 too. well chaylin did an entire series of uh, sermons on that oh yeah <laughs> it's like yeah. you know exactly well anyway so i'm rambling but i uh that's what we do here how how i think you know and once again i agree with you on the inerrancy of scripture and of course, that would be inferred in those. Yeah, in well, the two other thing, thing. you're of right. Course. You're yeah, right. You, you said subsets. Yeah, who is yeah. Jesus from Nazareth? Yeah. You gotta, but I, I, uh, I tell folks that when it comes to all these subsets, tertiary and secondary doctrines, and how, and a lot of people feel differently about even those terms. But yeah. <laughs> you can get into some lively conversations. But I tell folks, I said, listen, here's how I currently see this, 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 and this. If you don't see it that way. But we're answering the the top two questions the same. God bless you, brother, and yeah. that's fine. Yeah. And we we should never part company, but we should grace one another in our journey of questions. And I and I don't say that in some ethereal no psychobabble sense. Yeah, I'm talking about questions that the Lord has presented to me as I read His Word. Don't we want grace for ourselves? Oh, definitely. We we don't want yeah. God's 
punishment. We want God's forgiveness. Exactly. But we're not willing to give extend that to other groups mm. I, I have within to. the family of God. Now, listen, I truly do believe that if a church is preaching the things that you just talked about, and the people truly have believed that, and they've actually believed on Christ, and they're, they're, that's his own, their only hope for salvation, we're going to see them in heaven. Mm-hmm. And the Baptists are not going to be in their own little room with a great wall around them <laughs> because they think they're the only ones here. <laughs> I, 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 I believe that. Which is a great joke, by the way. Yeah, yeah. Because especially if you say IFB, because yeah, the yeah. IFB really thinks they're the only ones there. They won't say it, but they think they're yeah. I promise you so, they do. In fact, they're not sure the church down the street that's also IFB it, is going yes, to heaven. Yes. Oh yeah. I've heard I've they had heard, a split twenty years ago, you know, over something. I've heard all kinds of things coming out over loudspeakers on the lawns, you know, and some homecomings and stuff around here. Oh yeah. Matter of fact, well, no, I won't <laughs> go there. But anyway, yeah, so all of that, guys, I don't know if I've added a whole lot to this conversation at this point, but I when I'm I'm looking forward to the next speaker because I want to hear what 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 pearls of wisdom Taylor is going to give. No, you're going you're going to speak. I don't have any pearls of wisdom. I am the Tell us probably oddball out, I guess. Uh, for me, when it comes to it, I have always said it's tertiary for me. Mm-hmm. It's 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 one, one of the of lower those, levels. One of the lower levels for me. Um, coming to Christ later. In life, uh, late twenties, um, when I come to Christ, it was one of those I, I, I remember as we would read through, and, and and the church we were in, believe when Revelation taught those church ages, that was literally the dispensation. So that was kind of my first introduction to some of those. Here, here are the which church age are you in? Where are you going to plug your in? And oh, if you're in Laodicea, the seven then, churches. Yeah, the okay, seven churches. Yes, so yes, yes, yes. if you're in Laodicea, then you're in the end times. You, and, do you remember? Were you in the class when I was going through chapters two and three? Uh, no. And I, no, I, I laid that. I told him, I said, there's a group of people that believe this. Now, these are generally the historicist view, which their eyes glazed over. They didn't know what I was talking about. Uh, but there are, but within that camp, you'll have some premillennialists, some dispensationalists, actually, and also some uh, uh, postmillennialists that will believe that, that they've actually gone through ages. Now, it's not necessarily contemporary postmillennialism. I'm not trying to lump you in right. with that. But there is a postmillennial subset that believes that the seven churches were seven ages of the church, and we are living in one of those seven ages. Which one are we in? And everybody tends to put you in Laodicea yeah, right we're now. We're in the falling away. We're yeah, everybody puts you in The age of apostasy is what I call it. Uh, so, but I always struggled with it uh, because I remember looking, I remember asking the question then. Why are we rescued from it? Because well, Taylor, it always you have, a, you have a spiritual gift. Wow, a great spiritual gift. Yeah, to ask why. It's the <laughs> yeah. Exactly what I'm to the say. point it annoys it people. It annoys preachers. What? Yeah. Just, just go just, away. I, I remember getting told one time. You're like a pin sticking up at a cushion re- every time you sit down. Ow, ow. I remember getting told one time, "Why do you ask why so much?" I'm like, "Because I want to know." I mm-hmm. mean, why do you get this view? And most of the time, I would get told, "What's well, what we've always believed," but yeah. that, 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 that's not a why. You know. So I remember. Looking at this and really struggling with some things, this was a very westernized view. It was very westernized. It was a very rescue. It was very, we're going to be rescued out because we're God's special people. We should not have to go through the tribulation. None of them went through the tribulation. Nobody that I met went through the tribulation. Everybody was getting raptured out. We're waiting for the rapture. So immediately I struggled with the rapture. I and you and I, Roy, we've talked about this many times. You know I've struggled with it, and yeah. and so my whole thing was, 
I want to believe it. It would be nice to be rescued out of persecution. But how do I look a Christian that has been beheaded in the eyes and go, I'm going to be rescued out, and you're not? So I struggle with that. Go ahead. That was actually um, something when I began to teach this, uh, the different views at, at my other church that several of the people had a problem with. They didn't, many of them actually stated, well, I, I don't think God's going to want us to suffer. So I, hold on. So I went, okay, I guess there's verses. So, <laughs> so I went to those verses and then I said, well, so what are we going to say to our brothers and sisters in Christ that are being burned alive, that are being put in jail, that are being yeah. beheaded, that their kids are being taken from them, Amen. that they're being murdered, raped, and which tortured. Could, which could happen anywhere. What are you going to say to the Marian Christ? martyrs? What are you yeah. going to say to the Marian martyrs? I mean, all those people wanted to do was my, the, my response to that was, we're Americanizing the Bible. We're Americanizing our eschatology yeah. to say God doesn't want us to suffer when really the Bible, what, the, what God actually says is, rejoice when you suffer for his name's sake. And Peter says, rejoice for his name's sake. And so that was my response. But a lot of my folks at that time had been taught for so long, God is going to rescue us from this. There's going to be a, a you know, this, this, this seven year tribulational period that's going to be hell on earth. And, and but the people of God will dodge that. And um, they base everything they had on a, a very, small very strip of hard... land in the Middle East that we call the nation state of Israel yes. and and North America. And many people, not just not just where I was at, but many people have a very hard time because they have Americanized their view of Scripture that because we don't suffer in this country yet, yet we <laughs> don't that we never will, and that God will rescue us. And the news, the news is how they define scripture by what's going on in current events today. and i would urge people to go back and listen if they've never done it if they're new to this podcast jonathan was actually here we did a entire episode called the americanization yeah. of the gospel and i would take it a step further than america and i don't mean to i would take it from england western i mean it's, it's I, I mean i would, I would yeah. westernize with england right sure. the, the 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 england states i would bring it west I would bring it this way. I didn't it's, mean to interrupt Chalen there, but basically all the English speaking people. Yeah, all the English speaking people. Basically, people in the Western world yeah. don't believe that that God is going to allow the church or His people to suffer, and the very idea of that is offensive to them. And you take the Marian martyrs. We talked about them. You take Vladimir Ridley and some of those guys. They literally sang hymns going to be burned alive, or um, or you know. Was it Tyndale that had? Tyndale. Tyndale. I mean, he literally had gunpowder tied around his neck in case the flames didn't do it. It would blow up once it got to his neck. It literally, and make sure. it literally beheaded him. Is what I understand. Yes, and he was dead by the time it happened. Sure. but you know they wanted to make sure because of this pure hatred for the gospel. Well, you said people being beheaded. You know, that's happening. Right, Chinese now. Christians. Yeah, well, and it happened. Afghan. Look what just happened in Afghanistan. Right. That's what I'm talking about. It's I mean, happening right now in the world. What? Well, look, a, yes. a man who was basically a lightweight dispensationalist. I would have called him. Um, he's gone on to be with the Lord. Died a couple years ago. But I, I always enjoyed listening to him. I'm, I, I quote him a lot, and you know that. Doctor Chuck Missler used to always say, "Don't 
even if even though I believe in in premillennialism, even though I believe in a rapture, don't bet on America as somehow escaping from what 99% of the world throughout time has had to endure as Christians. You will, Jesus said, if you if you follow me, they hate me, they'll hate you. You will be persecuted in some way and count it joy. I just preached a couple of weeks ago and I used a article from Voice of the Martyrs. I get Voice of the Martyrs uh, in the mail and and this, this young girl in Egypt in a Muslim family um, became a Christian because her neighbor gave her a copy of Gospel of Matthew. She read it and got saved. Wow. And um, they're in Egypt. Their church is so infiltrated by Muslims that they that the Christians get a, a cross tattoo on their forearm. And that's how they're allowed into the church. You have to show your dedication because a Muslim would never do that. Right. Right. But well, that's marring the body. So she, this little girl did. She got that cross tattoo. I'm thinking about getting a cross tattoo on my forearm. <laughs> And her family burned it off with acid. Oh. Her family beat her, trying to beat her into submission back into Islam to the point that she almost died. When that didn't work, they brought in a, an Islamic imam who sexually abused her and raped her, trying to make her submit back into Islam. When that didn't work, they forcibly married her to an Islamic man who kept her prisoner and tortured her for a year in their apartment to make her submit back to Islam. And when none of that worked, they put her on the street to die. And she was happened to be in Egypt there and was and found by one of the local Christian churches and brought in and they helped and they helped rescue her. But this girl, her own family, her dad when her dad got tired of beating her, her brothers would come in and start doing it. When she was screaming because she'd been sexually assaulted by this imam, her dad was outside the door listening to her scream for help. Folks, that is that is suffering for Christ, and she never would go back to Islam. She went through all of that with the acid burning the tattoo off of her arm for Christ. You're killing me. And but yet we're I, supposed I, to get I, rescued out. I've got a yeah. 22-year-old daughter, and it just, yeah. But yet we're supposed to get rescued out. Yeah, escapism, I guess. I mean, escapism. Yeah. But you even go back further than that. Go back to the apostles. I mean, all the apostles but John were martyred. I mean, and, and, and he was tortured. I mean, some said he was tarred. I mean— it, it um, and and James tells us consider it joy when consider it joy when persecutions and these trials arise. Consider it joy uh, when you go through that. And so, I'd struggled really with the escapism a whole lot. Um, really struggled with the whole tribulation period. You know, I I just didn't really see this as necessary. You know, it was just kind of. Everything was going to just lead up and go away, and it, it would be we would all be ushered in the kingdom. So, I, for, would, I wouldn't make a doctrine off this because I don't believe in taking a verse out of context and making a doctrine off of it. But in one of the epistles, John says, "You have heard that that Antichrist is coming, right?" Mm-hmm. And he says, "But there are Antichrists now." I almost view that nowadays from these eyes that I'm looking at the Bible differently now, and eschatology differently. I used to just take that as, "Yeah, there's one big Antichrist coming at the end," but there's there's little ones up till that point. Now I'm seeing it more as a, it might have been him saying, "Don't be all thinking that everything is in the eschatology is it's at the end, and we're not gonna we're not gonna be infiltrated by it." No, that is an ongoing series of tribulations. The church will always have to endure persecution, always, 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 and be be firm because the antichrists are around you, 
And that's curious because he never uses the word Antichrist in his apocalypse. No. Revelation never uses that term. Only, no, never. Yeah. And this is the it. same author if we believe in the Johannian the Johannian. Uh, uh, you know, text. And I do. I think it was one author. So so that's kind of where I should have used the word canon, not text. Sorry. Yeah, you're fine. But that's kind of where I, you know, I'm not going to say landed, but it was one of those I struggled with that um, because. So are you in a vacillation between historical premillennialism and amillennialism or what? No, I would probably not say where I'm at because that's just how I am. I'm not, I really don't, I'm not going to camp myself. Okay. I mean, I've been that way. I'm, I mean, I've always shrouded it in mystery. And, and the reason being because um, do I know where I land? Yeah, I do. Okay. But um, I've been there for some time. But I still think, so We, you and I have talked about this. So I think if somebody's teaching an apocalyptic text, uh, say Revelation, your book, there's there's four views. The four views, when you the parallel look at all, commentary. I literally think somebody, when they teach Revelation, whether it takes you 10 years, five years, whatever it takes, or to teach every verse, looking at those views now, to did, not camp somebody in one thing. Let let the word breathe, let the scripture breathe, and let the people land where they're going to land. I don't think... I didn't uh, have that book when I was teaching No, it, you didn't. But I tried to. You do, I did try to do that, and Jonathan has said he You did, did that. very good at it. And you've said that that's how you would do it if you ever did teach Revelation, is that yeah. you would just say, okay... This is Revelation. This is the text. Now let's talk about the views. And 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 so for me, I think that's that's kind of important is to look at all of them because R.C. Sproul, if I'm not can, if I'm not mistaken, held all four, all view, all three views at his time, sometime over his lifetime. Over his lifetime. Yeah. Um, so if you're having trouble, well, James folks, White wouldn't even camp himself until a year ago, year and a exactly. half ago. Exactly. If so, if you, I mean, if you've struggled with. The fact that you're having a hard time believing a certain view, you're in a church that teaches amillennialism, you're not sure. You're in a postmillennial church, you're not sure. You're in a premillennial or dispensational, God forbid, church, and you're not sure. Uh, just realize you're in good company. There's some wonderful servants of God who have struggled with this very issue. Vody Balcom was a very pre-trib, uh, dispensational, sure. uh, premillennialist, and now he's an amillennialist. Yeah. I mean, he, he's he gave an one of the best. He gave one of the best. Um, sermon series, yeah, the Revelation that I may have ever heard. It, yeah, it he was walked so through. good. I listened to almost the entire thing, um, and and that brother just taught the the word so well uh, throughout, throughout. And I wouldn't time. argue with Vody because I'm scared of him. He might hurt me. <laughs> I'm not small, but he would make me look tiny. Man, that dude's a football player. Come he on. actually played. He really with was. Texas A and M, yeah, I yeah. believe. Yeah. And from your neck of the woods, and, Dan. And so, oh, thumbs up, thumbs up on you. So, <laughs> so that so for me, it would be. I just, I don't. I'm not going to go in one camp. I'm just, I'm not. I do, but I'm not. I mean, I leave it open to discussion, you know, for everybody because I just don't. Which I think is what this has been, or is, is that it's a discussion. We're not hardlining anyone and saying no. you've got to believe like us, or you've got to do this, or you've got to do that. Because you and I've talked about, it, and I think you and I've talked about, because there's like. When I lean a certain way, I don't think you, I don't know where you stand on this, but the binding of the strong man, I don't think Satan is bound now. I, I just don't think he's bound yeah, now. I, I do. I believe that Satan is bound now and he was bound at the cross. And um, I think the cross and the death of Jesus is what, what bound Satan. 
So, so that's where I'm at on that. Are you in the the camp too, where everything is going to get better until the end, which is typical the post millennial view, where everything is good and good and like the the parable of the mustard seed is the gospel growing further and further yeah, and gospel, further. I think the gospel. I think that is the gospel growing further. But here's the thing: a lot of people want to look at the millennial. Because I think a lot of times we make the same mistake that Israel did. What was Israel looking for in the Messiah? They were looking for a king to come in and rescue them militarily and and little literal physical kingdom come in and rescue them from Rome. They hated Rome, right? We do the same thing. We are looking at the millennial reign of Christ as him coming in and taking all the governments um, physically underneath him. And, and making things better. Where I say he's reigning now, currently, on the, on the throne of David at the right hand of God. And that what the kingdom, uh, what's being better is, in this sinful fallen world, the gospel is spreading and his kingdom is growing that way, spiritually, not in a physical or political aspect. So how do we get over the text that teaches differently? That it's not growing. It that that men evil will grow worse and worse. Is I, I think that will happen. But it, but how do how do it, we? It goes on at the same you, time. But how do you link the two? In either the it's evil getting growing, better, or it's getting worse. No 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 no. In the evil growing, and the sinfulness getting worse, the gospel is still penetrating all of that at the same time, and so even in a Muslim country with a with a terrible Muslim family in Egypt that is beating their child back into submission, she's still being truly saved and becoming a part of that kingdom. So the gospel is penetrating in that evil growth, and that's how you see God's kingdom growing now. That's how you see the the millennial reign happening now because the the gospel is penetrating that. Jesus is still ruling that on his throne. Yeah, I, I guess I'm still I don't I don't feel like that's getting to the question that I'm trying to get at is if if the post-millennial view teaches that it's going to grow, it's going to permeate, but that's not what we see and really what Scripture teaches. I understand the gospel is going further. That's that's the that's Great Commission. That's what we're seeing, though. But the post-millennial view, but it's not getting better, though. That that's the thing. It's it's getting the world is getting more evil and more evil, and uh, that's there, that, there's it doesn't teach that the world is going to get better. It teaches that God's kingdom is going to grow, and it's through the it's a spiritual kingdom through the gospel. The church is going to so grow. that would go more amillennial than postmillennial. Then I think, so. I think it's very similar. <laughs> I, I that would go more postmillennial. That would well, go more amillennial than post because post postmillennial. Post you're right, but. I know where he's coming from. Uh, we're, all, we're because, both right. Because, <laughs> because that would be well, kind well, of a well, post-millennial because, view. Because, or an amillennial. Because contemporary post-millennialism has d- detached itself from historical uh, yes. post-millennialism. Historic sure. They are much closer to amillennial. That's why Sam Storms and Doug Wilson can get along on almost everything. everything. Sure. Right. Almost. Not all, but almost. I don't think the post-millennial is a political thing. Right. Okay. Yeah. See, what whereas I, there are still a few, and I call them the Kingdom Now theologians, yeah, the Bethel, uh-huh. Bethel, kind of. and creeps like that that, mm-hmm. that see it as the church must dominate 
every aspect of the economy, the mm. political sphere. Yeah, yeah, right. No, but no. see, but that's those, old those, school right, post millennial. Those millennial. people are post millennial. That's what Chalen's getting at. And they're a but very I know what minor, you're saying. They're a very small minority. Yeah, now. yeah, they that, are. That is a liberal theology that and, doesn't work. Yeah, and that is I, I don't believe that either. Yeah, and I could see that being pushed out. So what Chalen's saying is a lot of what Jonathan's vocalizing. I don't want to speak out of turn, but it. Ah, millennialism and contemporary post millennialism are cousins, close. They are sure, and they're sort of parallel. And what Jonathan's saying is, we were talking about this a little bit in the truck coming over here. We didn't have enough time to develop it, but two two train tracks they they never seem to meet in our mind. But the kingdom is growing like a mustard seed Mm -hmm. quietly, and 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 the. Here's two things, and Sproul always says this, and you know, and others. But I think all of us we we don't we tend not to realize how evil evil is, and we don't realize how powerful the yeah. power of the gospel. You know, right? right on both ends. I think we're, and, and I'm not saying any, this to anybody in, in a fault, but it's just human nature, I guess. But so, and, and Jonathan, you tell me if I'm verbalizing this correctly, but. So what's happening at the same time in the kingdom is that you've got you've got evil still progressing, and it will continue to grow worse in the last days, just like sure. Paul's letter to Timothy, um, and things will go from bad to worse, and they are in the world system. And at the same time, you've got stories like he just gave us with the the Muslim girl through all odds. With nothing but reading. Persevering through yeah. Christ. Yeah. The power of the gospel, that seed that God put there and That's that right. he is growing, nothing's going to stop that. No. Sure. So, yeah, this, this is both happening at the same time. Now, but what we were referring to just a minute ago with his, I guess it's historic post-millennialism, is that the way we say it? Yeah. They they did believe, uh, Boatner writes a lot about this, that, that not only is the gospel going to continue to grow Quietly for the kingdom. But everything. Everything. Yeah, just all culture is going to be Christianized. That's yes. what you're right. that, that's what that's, There is a sub- yeah. subjection yes. of all things on the earth yeah. to the feet of Jesus, and then that basically ushers in the kingdom. Right. Because then, yeah. then Jesus comes back and blesses right. his church for what they And that's what you're him. referring to. With, but that part bothers me because yes, that seems like we do all the work, and then Jesus comes back. Yeah. We don't usher in the return of Christ. No. It's set no. in stone. And I, yeah, I think we all agree with that, right? Yeah, that that's, yeah it's set yeah. in stone. I mean, there's no, we're not doing anything to usher it in. You know, yeah. I used to always like the people that would always say, you know, I hope I can lead the last person to the Lord so he can come back. And I'm yeah. thinking, you know, that's already kind of predetermined <laughs> before you ever got involved. I understand that, I understand what you're saying. You understand the heart's, I understand the, the concept. The heart's desire. But at the I same understand time. the heart's desire, and I don't fault you for that, but it, it's one of them. It's we do nothing to usher that in. This is a predeterminative plan set before uh, the foundation, and you know, like I said, it, and for, so you believe God had a plan. Yeah, yeah, I believe He had a plan laid out pretty pretty well. There's no middle knowledge. No, there's no middle knowledge. I just listened to James White. Yeah, I started saying Thursday's you just episode, that episode yeah. didn't you? Yeah. And um, wow, is that crazy? Do, do, do y'all Lane know what Craig. I'm talking about about this middle knowledge stuff? Have you heard about this? Well, you know, it's 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 Molinism, uh, which comes from uh, was his name uh, Alberto or Alfredo Molina Molina. Molina. Yeah. He was a Molina. Spanish Jesuit, fifteen hundreds or whatever. The idea of the 
I don't know if you've ever read Voltaire, but he had, yeah. but he had in Candide, the guy was yeah. kept espousing the the, the, the spiritual guru kept saying in the best of all possible worlds. Well, that's Molinism. Yeah. God could only create the best of all possible worlds, seeing how many people were going to come to him. And he knew everything. It's like parallel universes. Jonathan would probably get into this because it's, it's comic book. It's almost like comic book history, guys. It's that alternate universes. If this ever happened here, then this would cause it. The butterfly effect in, in total. Okay. It's stupid. It gives God no power, no sovereignty. Man is elevated to Godhood because man determines what God can do. Is this a variation of open theism? Is that Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, you're it's right. It's so open theism. You're right. He doesn't know what's going to yes. happen. Right. Yes. Open theism. But, but when he knows, then he can enact his plan, see? That's what the fullness of time was when he sent Jesus was, oh, now's the time's right. How could prophecy? That's another thing. Get on it. Get the mic. Go ahead. Get, get your mic. Get the mic. mic. I don't know. We got Dan stirred. There was a spark that went with Dan, so let's roll. Roll it. Yeah, he's got to go. So when when God decrees, that is going to come to pass. Christ is going to return. Satan will be defeated. Uh, all enemies will be put under the king's feet, and, and there, you know, right. And the saints will reign. Sure. In glory with him forever, to the praise of his name. That's the decorative will of God and to think that it just blows my mind isn't Rob Bell hadn't he and all that whole oh, camp yeah. they, they're big open theists and everything and I didn't know Rob you Bell couldn't even have around. prophecy you couldn't even have prophecy without and it's more than just foreknowledge I mean God is decreeing He's not just looking down and saying, okay, well, this guy's going to make this decision. And this guy. Now, we could go a lot of directions with that. We won't. But, <laughs> you could go hyper-Calvinist. But, we'll, but let's just, yeah, no, we don't want to go there. But let's just stick with the prophecy. Uh, yeah, God decrees because he, he's going to bring it to pass. He doesn't just, he knows it's going to come to pass because he declares it's going to come to pass. And What did he could, say in Isaiah? I declare the, 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 yes. the ends from the beginnings? Yeah. What? To, Putting down their little gods and says, Wait, does your God know history and why it happened? Yeah. Does your God know the future? No. Right. Sure. Oh, he mocked the idols in yeah. Isaiah 42. Absolutely. He said, you have, you know, go talk to your dumb wood idol and see what, you know. If he's <laughs> and, yeah, Isaiah, man, he and Paul, they were snippy, weren't they? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I just want to read this, this passage. Dr. Sam Storm brought this out. On, on something I was watching one time, and when I read this, it just, man, it just sort of makes sense. It makes it puts things into perspective for me. This is in First Corinthians fifteen, starting in verse twenty-three. He says, "But each in his own order, Christ the first fruits; afterwards, at his coming, those who belong to Christ. Then, it, then comes the end, when he hands over the kingdom to God the Father, when he abolishes all rule and all authority and power." For he must reign, this is a current, uh-huh. he must reign until he puts all enemies under his feet. The last enemy to be abolished is death. For God has put everything under his feet, pointing back at Matthew 28, at what we call the Great Commission, right? All, all power. All power and authority has, has been given, currently yeah, been given to me. Been given to me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I just want to say that. <laughs> Any response, Chandler? No, 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 no. No, I know. And this is this is not a debate. We're we're just talking, but um it's it is curious that 
we say we believe God is in control, but at the same time, man's got to do this and man's going to do that. And then uh, blah, blah, blah. And then things are going to get worse and things are going to get worse. Now, I I agree with what both of y'all said a while ago and what, and what Dan sum, summarized between the, what you two were talking about, you and Jonathan. Things are getting worse and they always will get worse. And there is going to be a ramp up, I believe, throughout time of almost an extinction level form of hatred on earth. I do believe that. I, I do believe, I guess I'm premillennial enough to believe that there's going to come a time when, as Jesus said, now I know the argument would be that when Jesus said, if, if, if God didn't pull that out, then, then uh, all flesh would be, no flesh would be saved. Some will say that was when he allowed some Jews to live. He allowed the Christian Jews. That's why he had given them the order that when you see, these things coming to pass in Jerusalem is encompassed on all sides that that was Rome encompassing them that that you leave and and flee and don't take anything with you just get out and we do know that around that time the Jerusalem church did vacate they got out before the yeah, the, the yes, final punishment of 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 Israel that's, that's and that is a historical event that happened but I guess what I'm getting at is we we know that those things are true things will get worse I still believe though that there's a not there's a now and a not yet view a tense in in um, prophecy. The reason I say that is because I believe in the pattern of prophecy instead of the Greek oracle version. Y'all know what I'm talking about, where the oracle or seer would have a vision, an ecstatic vision brought on by drugs or, or sleep deprivation or whatever they did, meditation to get it. Then they would say the gods have decreed this, and then the idea was to wait and see if it came true. If it didn't come true, they were a false prophet. Now, now God, Yahweh, told the Jews, that you were to judge a prophet by whether or not those things did come to pass. That's why I've come to believe that many of the things in the Olivet Discourse were fulfilled in that first generation. Is because if not, Jesus wasn't Jesus, a literal if, prophet. If not, then Jesus lied. <laughs> he swore the temple was going to be destroyed, and guess what? It happened in that generation. That generation right. did not pass. 35 years later, right. there was a destruction of the temple. Many of those people were still alive, including most of the apostles at that time. A few were, a few were already deceased. James, the brother uh, James, the brother of John, had already been beheaded. Others, right. We know that. There had been there'd already been persecution. In fact, Saul, before he became Paul, was one of the persecutors. So we know that. But what I'm what I'm getting at is the whole history of this is I still believe in a pattern of prophecy. I don't know if you all know what I'm talking about. But the idea that God would decree something, it would come true, and I'm going to use one. I'm going to use a messianic prophecy. Behold, the Alma, which can just mean a young maiden. It can mean a virgin, mm-hmm. and it can also mean a young woman. Young woman having a, a first child will conceive and bear a son called Emmanuel, right? We know that that's a twofold prophecy. It was fulfilled in Isaiah's own time. And then it is, we are told later in the Gospels that that was also a prophecy of, of the Messiah. And they always knew that. The Jews knew that, mm-hmm. that that was a messianic prophecy. But there's other things that we were told was a prophecy that we didn't know was a prophecy. Out of Egypt have I called my son was not viewed as a messianic prophecy. Matthew tells us it was. So I believe in prophecy and a pattern of prophecy. Things can be fulfilled up to two and even three times. And I'm not a numerologist, okay? I'm not trying to get all mystical on you. But God's got ways of doing things to prove. Because Peter even tells us, I've seen the risen Christ, but you have this more sure document. It's the pattern. It's it's the fulfillment of prophecy. You can know that Christ, that Jesus was the Christ because of prophecy. All these things were fulfilled in him. So 
I still believe, I'm, that's why I will never be a full preterist, I still believe that although I'm partial preterist on some events, I still believe there are some not yets. There's, I believe in the kingdom is now and not yet. You've always, since I've known you, you've, you've I've always that. said you've that. Always that is said my there's view. There's now and not yet. I have this. Uh, you know, you've you, never wavered in you've, any fashion. No, I've still not changed on that. You've told me before that I'm a kind of a mystical sort of, and sometimes a lot more mystical than myself. Than I am, and I know I am. I'm very just cut and dry. Now, you'll never hear me. Now you will not ever hear me say, "Well, God told me," but 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 you know, you won't hear at. him. It's just what he says off the air. Shut up. <laughs> Aren't you? We're saying the same thing, aren't we? Though the kingdom is now and it's growing, yeah. And but it's but it's it's going to culminate, yeah, in with the, the second coming the of final, Christ, right? The second coming and all that that happens. My view is when time. he comes, he will set up a kingdom. So there you go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, I'm still there. I know, but I but I but, but I think it's literal because look. You, you think have, it's an earthly? You think it's? An I earthly? do think it's an do earthly you? kingdom. Do yeah, you? I'm still premillennialist. Yeah, okay. I made that clear. Okay, so yeah, uh, you still believe in listening. the earthly kingdom? I do believe in the <laughs> yeah. earthly kingdom. I know you believe in it, but it doesn't necessarily have to be a thousand years, right? Right. right. It, it, but you believe there's going to be believers, non-believers in the kingdom, and which some people say, it, whether you all know it or not, unless you're just thinking that salvation is getting your ticket punched down and going to heaven, you're actually all believing in the same thing. We're all believing in any millennium, one way or the other. And here's why I say that. You said it's an eternal kingdom, and I agree. I don't necessarily think it's just a thousand years. I think it's an eternal kingdom, but I think it's a physical kingdom, and here's why I say that, because new heavens, new earth, which used to ponder, I used to ponder that so much, it perplexed me, and I have always thanked this brother, which is Jonathan, I just patted him on the knee, because we're cool like that, that I, I was talking to you on the phone one day, and I said, why does there have to be a new heaven and a new earth? The old heaven was put. Is the heaven that he's in right now is is his kingdom. It's good, he said. Well, he had to cast angels out of it for sin, because of pride. The fallen ones, right? And the war in heaven. Okay, he said. God is a holy God and will never be in the presence of sin. And when he finally creates that perfect eternal state, it's going to be perfect. That means no trace of sin, which is why he makes the new heavens, the new earth, is so that we will finally live in the perfect state. You told me that a few years ago, and I thought about that and I was like because it does say that we would be without even the presence of sin right and death is obliterated and all that it all really started with the fall of Satan through pride being lifted up and and so the new heaven and the new earth is the final perfect state and it is not us dying and going to heaven although I do believe we go there when we die absent from the body present with the Lord don't get me wrong but we are not Remembering that there's resurrection. The thing they always taught was resurrection. Jesus was the first, and now we're going to follow him in resurrection. We're going to have a physical body, and we're going to live on a physical earth. And when I taught Revelation, those last two chapters, I was telling them, guys, I don't understand it. I don't understand the whole thing about that. But those two chapters are the ones that get us the most excited, because that means final sinless perfection. Because I don't believe in sinless perfection on the earth. I believe in sanctification as a process, but I don't believe we can ever be perfect on the earth and live with live above sin right. without any fall. We're in the sanctification process right. now. One day there'll be the glorification right. process. The glorification, though, is so exciting because I believe that's the fulfillment of all millennialism. All, and I mean all, A-L-L, not A-M. Okay. <laughs> of all millennialisms actually are getting to that final state in which new heaven and new earth, we have glorified bodies, but it's physical body. Mm-hmm. And I think we'll eat food, and I'm okay. happy about that. You know, there's that a school good. of thought, though, that I don't agree with that says that that can't be true 
because believer unbelievers can't live with those glorified bodies. But they forget that Christ walked on earth after the resurrection with unbelievers in a glorified body, in a resurrected body. Well, I'm talking about the final statement. No, 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 I'm talking about, but they're saying, no, when you're talking about a new heaven literal on earth and yeah. that thousand year. Because heaven comes down to us. Yeah, heaven, I don't that's, believe that's that what the, the whole taught. purpose of salvation is to die and go to heaven. But I believe the, the purpose is that heaven will be well, here. And we'll be, but one of the we'll arguments to try to get out of that is that the believers with the glorified body can't be with unbelievers in the non-glorified body. I'm like, well, Christ walked yeah, he did. with the body. And he made fish for breakfast for him on the shore of Galilee. So that kind of throws that whole argument, <laughs> did he throws that whole argument he out the him, window. He just told him he'd never have the bread and wine as a communion yeah. meal again. Until they, but he sat there and made him food, and I'm guessing he ate fish. You know what I was reading last I go night. back to those verses in Revelation. How I good. heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is where? The dwelling of God is with uh-huh, men. Yeah, so we, he's coming down to us. New Jerusalem's mm-hmm. coming down. We're not going up. He's, he's coming down. Uh, I wonder how good that fish actually tastes. I don't that know. He it's made. probably pretty good. Uh, <laughs> a pharmacist friend of mine says, Roy, I'm not eating fish for breakfast. I said, if Jesus makes it, you'll love yeah. it. Two, two, two things that just came to my mind kind of <laughs> detached. But, okay, the New Jerusalem coming down. I was reading this last night. It's kind of an interesting picture. We're talking about, you know, is there one – are there two separate bodies of faithful – you know, the Old Testament, the New, or, there, oh, or yeah. there's one body. Okay. Well, this was interesting. And in you'll, you'll recall the New Jerusalem that comes down. The 12 gates have the names of the tribes on them. Yeah. And then the foundation stones have the names of the, the apostles. apostles. It's a beautiful picture. Of, it's yeah. all together as yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Because, look, the and, reformers and, would say, the reform, reform view would be this. Yeah. Uh, recent episode, not a recent, but it was so from this year, 2021, uh, of Whitehorse Inn, another podcast I would recommend. Um is that everyone saved before the crucifixion of Christ was saved by faith in the coming one, right? They weren't saved by their sacrifices or by, their, by, the, by the Sinaitic rituals. Those were just purification things that set them apart as a, as a nation of supposed ambassadors for God, right? Yahweh's ambassadors was that Israel was the light unto the nations, which it never fulfilled that role. So that's not what saved them. They were saved by faith. By faith, Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him as a righteousness, right? By faith, he was willing to offer up his only son, Isaac. He had another son, but the, the, the son of the promise, which is a type of Christ, right? Everything's by faith. The only outward ritual Abraham was ever asked to do was the circumcision. And we have baptism. Not, as circumcised? No. Right. No. So see, it's, be- it's beautiful. So we're all going, there's not going to be any separate kingdoms when it comes to that. We're all going to be Jew and Gentile alike. Everyone from the Old Testament era up to the New Testament now will all be together in the, in the final state. Anything we want to add before we go? I got one word of encouragement. Go ahead. This is, we were talking about sanctification and we'll all be, and, and I, don't, I don't want to take this for granted we all believe in ter- eternal security. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, I, I, I thought we did. Um, because if I was going to lose it, I lost it. <laughs> oh yeah. yeah. Yeah, I would have lost it. Yeah. Well, based on everything we've said, I would assume. Yeah, we're my, all eternal. My security. hope is in Christ. Oh yeah. Not anything I well, do. I had a, a studying one day. I was in Hebrews, which Hebrews and Romans, my two favorite books. Right? And I'm just, and I was in Hebrews ten. Hebrews ten ten jumped off the page at me. I don't, who knows how many times I've read it, and but this time it hit me. It speaks of our sanctification as being accomplished, and I got and I still get excited about it. But here's the thing, and 
and here this is a paradox right and tell me i don't and i hope i'm remembering this correctly i think hebrews 10 10 read the verse for you jonathan go ahead by this will we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all time. Mm. Are you guys with me? You yeah. know where I'm, Okay, so if the golden chain of salvation in Romans 8, all who will be justified, you know, are glorified, okay. So eternal security. Yeah. Yes, we are paradoxically in Romans 7, the flesh against the spirit battle. But I get so excited. When I, what I mean, is that not our blessed hope? Is that not where we land on sure. everything? It's like praise be to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ that yeah. He would deliver me from this body of sin and death, because and, I'm in the battle against sure. my sin every day, but it's won, and because Jesus Christ has already declared my sanctification. As the music guy in the room, I'll throw out Casting Crowns has a song called "I'm My Own Worst Enemy." God save me from myself, exactly. because it's talking about. I war against my flesh, you know, because I, yeah. I want to do this, but I do the wrong thing. But one day, it'll it's all been accomplished anyway. Yes. But one day, we'll actually see the fulfillment of that. And by the way, that is the whole point of the eschaton in this conversation, was that this is a glorious hope. One day, we will be resurrection, resurrected from, from the, the, it's, this old clay that he made us out of. And we'll finally have a more of a heavenly body less of an earthly body and that body will be with him we'll tabernacle with him we will live and dwell with him for eternity and by the way eternity is not a long time eternity is no time it means we can do whatever because there's no restraints anymore we'll finally be more like him it says what we we will be like him because we will see him as he truly is we we only see things through a through a, paul says we look through a dark glass a, a, tinted, a tainted mirror of things, right? And we've talked about this before. You've talked about the broken image, the idea that we're made in the image of God, but it's a shattered image. Distorted. Because of sin. That's, that image is going to be made perfect, finally. We're going to be made perfect. And not because of anything we ever did or said, but because of him. But your spirit, brother in Christ, is already That's right. That's what I said, the now and the not yet. Yeah, I know. I know. It's, it's the now and the not I yet. Know. I am made alive with him, but I am being made more like him, and someday I will be with him. That may be your favorite saying, scriptural, is the now and the not yet. Yeah, it is. I mean, it I probably like is. As like long that. as I've been around you with it, it's, it's all For me, that's the story of the two kingdoms, not Luther's version of the two kingdoms. For me, the story of the two kingdoms is the now and the not yet. We live now, but, and we see things, but we're going to see things perfectly one day. At that point, I know people have got things to do today. Chalen's got ball games, got ball et games. cetera. And, and I don't. Kids do. And yet, I'm laughing my head off because every time you take your earphones off, it messes your hair up oh, that much more. You know that just says, I got hair. That's right. That's right. We're not bald yet. I got hair. Well, God bless you all for being on here today. Jonathan, thank you. Yeah, thank you all for having us. I've immensely enjoyed this. It's been fun. Dan, thank you. Thank you, guys. And, and Chalen? I'm right. out. Love you, brother. All right, we, <laughs> brother Chalen. We will see you I'll next be. time. And until then, God bless and enjoy your weekend. <laughs>